Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. And welcome back to the PeaceWorks Podcast, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to answer a question about specialization. But before we jump into that, you know what's coming. I need to remind you about uh, all the things available to you at chrismoles.org. That includes PeaceWorks University. Now, PeaceWorks University is our online membership community. And if you are benefiting from what you're learning on the PeaceWorks podcast, then PeaceWorks University is your best next step. There'll be all new items in a different format for 2022, so now is the time to jump on board and to join PeaceWorks University. You'll get the vault, all the past material, plus new items only available in 2022. All right, well, today we're going to answer a question that came my way. It's one that uh, I occasionally hear, and I thought it might be a helpful discussion here on the podcast. And the question is, Chris, why abuse? Or more specifically, why domestic abuse? And the nature of the question is, why do I in particular, and a couple of my friends uh, more generally, why do we focus so much attention on this one particular topic? Now, I think the question comes from uh, maybe a couple different places, but I'll try to unpack that just to kind of help you as the listener understand the culture and the context. So first of all, I think the question sometimes is leveled or comes from a a position of um, maybe historical biblical counseling. So those of you who listen to the podcast know that I'm a certified biblical counselor. I've been involved in the movement for 20 years, and uh, it's a big part of of my faith and my development, and my ministry. Uh, However, one historical aspect of biblical counseling that kind of builds this dialogue or or leads to this question is BC in general has been a um, practice of generalization. What I mean by that is that most biblical counselors are general practitioners, and that's the way we were trained, that's the way We were equipped. That's really the consensus. And there's a great amount of positives to that. Even if there may be some some downsides, there's a lot of positive aspects to that. Uh, The first being that uh, you you do need to have a few things in place in order to generally speak to a wide variety of problems. And I think biblical counseling has done that well in many ways. For instance, if you're you're well-established in your theology, you have a healthy practical theology, and you're trained in biblical counseling, then you will be able to address a wide variety of problems. And that's kind of the goal, is that within the the local church context, uh, the lay counselor, the pastoral counselor, the biblical counselor is kind of the family doctor, the general practitioner. They they process a catch-all of emotional, spiritual, uh, mental, and relational problems. And so... Many of the training focuses and centers and institutions really try to develop generalists, individuals who can speak to a wide variety of problems. Now, I'm thankful for that, so please don't hear me discouraging that in any way. I think 
We need counselors, caregivers, coaches, uh, lay people, pastors who can speak to a wide variety of issues. I found myself early in ministry relying heavily on the resources from the biblical counseling movement and the training that I received because as a young pastor, I was perhaps this, you know, this meeting dealing with a relational problem while the next meeting I was just dealing with a, um, a medical problem while the next issue, uh, issue I was dealing with was an emotional uh, problem and uh, the next issue was a spiritual problem. Maybe this individual needed some directive care, like here's some instruction to help you while this individual needed corrective care. Here's, here's the areas where I think change is necessary while someone else needed like remedial care, like some follow-up. And so general practice has benefited me and my ministry. I think it's benefited a lot of folks in the local church. And that's where the question comes from sometimes. So sometimes the question of why abuse, and more specifically, Chris, why domestic abuse, comes out of a mindset sometimes of, you know, why not speak to more topics? And so I hear this sometimes. I would love to hear you talk about this or this or this. And there's a variety of reasons why I don't step outside of uh, my particular topic. And, and that is because I don't feel confident or necessarily competent in some other areas. And that's uh, seemingly contradictory to some folks because the biblical counseling movement, one of our big you know, mantras is that you're competent to counsel. And while I think that's true, the scripture is sufficient, the counselor is not always sufficient. And so I, I'm not a big fan, personally, of being an expert on everything. While there is a, a time and a place to speak into problems as they come into your ministry context that you need to be kind of a jack of all trades. Um, it is important to understand uh, whether or not you're a, you're a master of none, as the old say goes, right? So there is a reality in which general practitioners are super helpful, necessary, um, really wise companions on the journey, but there is also wisdom in saying, I know only so much about topic A, B, C, or D. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I've specialized in one area primarily is because while I've been trained as a general practitioner, as it were, theologically, practically, uh, within biblical counseling, I have a great deal more case wisdom in one particular area. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about how that developed, but it's because of that case wisdom that I have decided to focus my attention in one area. And I could speak to other topics, but I would speak with far less confidence or competence. And I think it would be unfair to you, uh, the listener, for me to speak with the same amount of authority on, say, anxiety or perhaps eating disorders that I do on the subject of domestic abuse. Because while I have counseled individuals with anxiety or eating disorders, it pales in comparison to the case volume I've worked in the area of domestic abuse. And there's different, uh, different factors there and different approaches to that. Some would say that it's the case volume isn't as important as the truth, and I, I would agree to some degree that truth is truth. However, the more you've interacted with truth uh, in the counseling room, in the living room, in the coffee shop, uh, in the jail, right, in the, the pod, um, the, the more that experience um, helps you 
process, apply, and practically live out that truth. So that's the quick answer to the, the kind of um, biblical counseling pushback. I, I do possess some of those general uh, practical aspects of my training. I do have that in pastoral ministry, uh, put that into practice. However, it's not necessarily the sharpest tool in my tool belt. That happens to be this discussion that we find ourselves having week after week, and so I focus my attention there. So uh, that's because, again, specializing uh, I, I don't think is a problem. I actually think we need more of that in the biblical counseling movement. It doesn't mean that we specialize to the expense of general uh, practitioners. We need individuals who can do triage and uh, proper care and possibly referrals. And if we get into a situation where we must be the know-all, end-all of counseling and care, we'll fall into a trap. But if we get to the place where we are able to assess the problem and know where we're skilled to handle it, where we need help handling it, that actually, I think, will enhance the church's response and make our movement a lot healthier. So to that degree, I, I welcome general practitioners, and I think we should have more of them. I just don't necessarily think that my experience, my exposure as a general practitioner, gives me necessarily the voice to speak into multiple topics, because uh, I, that I would find that a bit over the top, uh, which is why I focus on the one topic uh, that I feel most confident in, and that's due to a large uh, case volume as well as the theological and scriptural framework uh, by which we operate. So case wisdom, uh, the theological framework that we operate. Uh, another reason why I focus specifically on one topic in this work, uh, in particular domestic abuse, is calling. You know, I, I never dreamed, uh, I never signed up um, for this particular work. In fact, doing this work as long as I have now, I can tell you that the vast majority of people in the work uh, have some experience with domestic abuse, whether, whether they themselves are a survivor uh, who is now helping others uh, as a helper or perhaps experienced uh, domestic violence as a child. Uh, many individuals in this work have been impacted directly by domestic abuse. I am not one of those individuals. While I have seen and, and interacted with many people, including family members who have been uh, victims and survivors of domestic abuse, I have not been a direct victim, um, nor a secondary victim. I came into this work uh, sheerly by the grace of God, and I think uh, it's by His grace that I've been sustained in this work and have continued in this work. So calling is a part of that. Um, I, I wasn't sure I was going to enjoy the work when I first stepped into domestic abuse intervention and prevention, but uh, the Lord really began to teach me and show me and I enjoyed the work, uh, which uh, some folks can't say. I really enjoyed the work. I enjoyed partnering with individuals to um, help alleviate suffering. That became a real calling in my life, and theologically, as I began to embrace the gospel of peace, uh, this became a an, an outcropping, kind of a uh, manifestation of the gospel of peace in my life as I got a chance to serve and help victims and survivors by addressing a very specific population, those who committed acts of abuse. And so, yeah, case wisdom built into it, calling built into it, 
And that's one of the reasons why, some of the reasons why, I focus specifically on the topic of domestic abuse. Uh, I guess maybe another uh, reference there, another thought there, is, is what I don't do. And uh, this comes up occasionally when individuals ask me questions about, you know, why do you speak on this topic or why don't you speak on this particular topic? And usually what it is is a, a subset or a contributing factor. Like one um, instance comes to mind that's been mentioned several times, and that's the, the issue of pornography. There's been individuals who have wanted me to step into um, the, the world of addressing pornography. And while I have worked with some individuals who have um, have fallen victim to the temptation of pornography, and there's definitely an overlap as pornography and domestic abuse kind of are maybe 1A and 1B of um, uh, symptoms from that heart of pride. Certainly objectification, subjugation are all within the world of pornography. Uh, it's not necessarily my wheelhouse. So while I can speak briefly to the overlap and the connectivity I've personally felt it wise, most wise, to continue to focus on domestic abuse. While we will mention pornography use and certainly mention objectification, it's still a matter of discussing power, control, from a theological and biblical perspective. So um, the same would be true of sexual abuse. And I think that's something I've learned in recent years is that while I have a good Perhaps good's not the right word, but you, I think you know what I mean, listener, is while I have an understanding of the dynamics and impact of sexual abuse, they are somewhat distinct from domestic abuse. And while sexual abuse can occur in a marriage relationship, there's also aspects of sexual abuse that perhaps um, I'm not as, as well versed in understanding, addressing, and confronting. I can speak where I can speak, but I also want to give room for individuals who are much more equipped and gifted in that area, if that makes sense. And so I'll continue to focus on the area that God's given me, continue to focus in on the aspects of power and control when it comes to intimate partner relationships in the hope that that helps the church handle cases of domestic abuse more appropriately. So where do we go from here? Like if that's true, you know, uh, Chris, we can see that, we get it, you need to keep speaking on this topic, but where do we as a church begin to grow in this area? Well, I think a couple of things we can do. Number one, those general practitioners I talked about, they can begin the process of having a basic um, education when it comes to the dynamics and impact of abuse. I think that the church-based care ministry should have a basic understanding. And if there's one person on the team, one person in the community, one person in the, the area that really passionately pursues uh, the topic of domestic abuse, they can kind of serve as the team and the care uh, givings liaison for that particular topic. But everyone should have a basic understanding and rely heavily upon the one individual who perhaps is most skilled and most equipped, or the team of individuals that's most skilled and most equipped to address the problem. I think another thing that we can do is we can begin the dialogue or continue to dialogue. One of the greatest blessings of this work since I got involved in the work was to see allies or other voices rise to the surface. That's been one of the most um, incredible aspects of this work is to watch other voices who are able to fill in some of the gaps. Individuals who can speak to aspects of sexual abuse where perhaps I can't, 
or individuals who can speak to aspects of victim care where I can't, at the same time uh, focusing my attention more on addressing perpetrator work. The more voices that we have that are skilled and case-wise, uh, the more we'll be able to provide for those general practitioners and church-based causes uh, that we're all striving to build up and to equip further. Maybe the last thing that all of us can do uh, is to pray. It really should be the first work. I apologize for putting it at the end. But uh, we can pray and join forces together asking God to continue to raise up workers for the harvest. Rather than, and this is something I, I struggle with. So if you're listening, I do like to work. I Work is fun. All right. So um, I often find myself overcommitted and under-resourced. Uh, when I need to learn how to delegate and to rely on friends. So one of the things that we can do is begin to pray or continue to pray that the Lord would raise up workers for the harvest, individuals that will fill in the gaps and the, the spaces that we can't fill in ourselves, that we would all have enough maybe wisdom and humility to say, I can't speak to every topic, but I can speak well to this avenue, this area where I'm case-wise and begin to find individuals that can help, again, fill in those gaps, lock arms, and create a care culture in the church that addresses abuse, and in particular domestic abuse, more effectively than we have in the past. And that really, to land the plane, is the whole goal of why we continue to have the PeaceWorks podcast and PeaceWorks University and Men of Peace, is we want to see the church become the safest place on the planet. And to that end, We'll continue to speak about one topic, and we'll continue to speak about that topic to the church in the hopes that the church will assimilate, grow, be educated, and practically live out that peace and safety that we know is possible. I want to thank you guys for tuning in today. I I pray that the information that we give you on the podcast here is helpful. I'm so thankful for you and your willingness to be educated in the area of domestic abuse. And I want to encourage you to continue that process, continue to pour into uh, the individuals and the resources that are available to you. Continue to pray for the Lord of the harvest to raise up workers so that one day, one day soon, we'll be able to say together that the church is the safest place on the planet when it comes to women and children. God bless you guys. We thank you so much for your partnership here on the PeaceWorks Podcast. And until next time, God bless.